Hi, I'm Pastor Stefan Margeson. This is the sermon podcast for Aldersgate Worship Service of Front Street United Methodist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. Come and join us each Sunday morning in person at 8.45 a.m. in the Aldersgate Gym. God be with you. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up, went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving, leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one of any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. <clears throat> Suddenly, a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions, but Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Thank you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. In the name of Jesus Christ, our rock and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. If I were to ask you to close your eyes right now, and you closed them, kept them closed for a few seconds, and then opened them up again, what would you see? See the altar, some candles on it, some flowers, the patent and chalice, the cross, all of the stuff that uh, our musicians are using, uh, me, other people. You see all kinds of stuff in here, right? Yeah, of course you can. But you and I are not just physical beings. We don't just see what's right in front of us. 
we are also spiritual beings. So it stands to reason that we would have the ability to perceive the spiritual world. As we prepare to embark on our Lenten journey starting this coming Wednesday, uh, Ash Wednesday service, remember it's 7 o'clock on Wednesday. We have in Luke what Mary Margaret read, a story that I've always regarded as just a really strange story. I mean, I'm sorry, it's just a weird story. <laughs> it's, it's nothing like any of us have ever experienced in our own lives. Uh, it's nothing like Peter and James and John have ever experienced in their life. Uh, it is just a strange joy, uh, uh, story. Uh, Jesus takes Peter and James and John, his closest three disciples, up on the mountain with him for a time of prayer. Uh, perhaps he needs to have some alone time with, with his heavenly Father, uh, thinking about the task that lay ahead of him of going to Jerusalem. Uh, we don't know why he, he needed to go up there, but he, he did, and he took them with him. And uh, as he was praying there on the mountain, uh, two figures come alongside him, uh, uh, Moses and, and Elijah. Moses, uh, representative of the giver of the law, and Elijah, the greatest of all the prophets. And we don't know exactly what they said to Jesus, other than what it says there, which was just this vague thing about they spoke to him about his departure, which we assume means his death that was coming up in Jerusalem. One commentary said it was, at, it, was, it was as if the princes of Israel, the princes of Israel's life and thought and religion were encouraging Jesus to go on. Jesus could set out to Jerusalem certain that what he was doing was exactly what his father had for him to do. It was the consummation of all of his life. Now, during this visit, from Moses and Elijah, Jesus is, the word we use is transfigured. It was as if his divinity was showing through his humanity. Jesus had brought Peter and James and John to experience a thin place. I've always liked that term, thin places. Oh, it refers to those places or times or events in which the boundary between the spiritual and the material becomes less opaque, more permeable. And we can kind of see through from, from the material into the spiritual. But it begs the question, why does God allow us to experience thin places as Jesus allowed uh, the disciples there to experience that time with him. Maybe these are times that are intended to uh, uh, awaken us more fully to the presence and work of Jesus in our life or the, the, generally the presence of God around us. Maybe there are times through which we are supposed to be taught something, something that will help us to be useful in the work of the kingdom. We need to experience new and meaningful places and times because these things are used by God as sources of transformation for us. And the truth is, we approach these holy places, these, these thin places, more often than we think. 
However, there are lots of times where we don't recognize that thin place, uh, that sacramental time when we're in the midst of them. So if we are meant to have them, what kinds of mindsets, what kinds of things can keep us from having that veil lifted and being able to experience the spiritual in the midst of the material? Well, one of the first things that I think is, uh, uh, that keeps us from having that veil lifted is prejudice. And I don't mean just racial prejudice. Prejudice just means you have a preconceived idea about something, right? So being so set in our minds, in our mindsets, that our minds become shut can keep us from experiencing the fullness of Christ in our life through new events, through new people. When we can look beyond even skin color or ethnic background, we can begin to experience some of the richness of the divine in other people. But too often, too often, we think we know everything about another person. We think because of the color of their skin or what we perceive to be their ethnic background or uh, what we, we think they, they might believe with respect to politics. You know, uh, conservative people look at someone they think is liberal and vice versa and they think they know everything about everything they think. We generalize. We think we understand the fullness of who they are. However, we do ourselves a huge favor when we remember that people are generally more complex than the caricature that society or the media would have us to believe. See, they can't, they can't get into individuals. They can only get into caricatures. But people are not caricatures. They're individuals, full of life experience, full of contradictions. My advice is to get to know people individually. Another thing that can keep us from uh, having that veil lifted and being able to see in that thin place is spiritual lethargy, or, or what we call sloth, one of the seven deadly sins. When we refuse to strain ourselves spiritually, we rob ourselves of growth. Sometimes we approach our spiritual life as if it were a hobby that we really didn't have time for right now. We just got too much going on. I just, yeah, I like photography, but I haven't picked up that camera in a year. Well, I just hadn't had time. There's other stuff that keeps coming up. And the longer I don't pick it up, the less I think about it. And some people treat their spiritual life the same way. The less they engage in time with Christ, the less they think about engaging in time with Christ. So I invite you to avail yourselves of the means of grace, uh, things like daily prayer, uh, worship, devotional time, Bible reading, uh, service, uh, talking with other Christians, whatever things you can think about where you feel like you're being exposed uh, to your spiritual life. Do those things. Another thing is being too comfortable. Now, we all like to be comfortable. 
But there is such a thing as being too comfortable and, and then having your comfort be that thing that you rely on, that thing that becomes most important to you. When we place too high a priority on our comfort, we're liable to purposefully disregard the transformative experiences that God places in our lives because those transformative experiences a lot of times take away our comfort. They make us uncomfortable. Life is full of things, including these, that keep us from having that veil lifted so that we can see through to the spiritual. But it's also full of things that help that veil to be lifted so that we can experience the thin places. One of the first ones that comes to mind is sorrow, simply sorrow. It was said of one young singer who was technically perfect, but sung without feeling or expression. Somebody once said, she will be a great singer when something breaks her heart. Often sorrow can awaken us to the reality around us, to the reality that we're not alone. There are other people around us. God has been with us all the time. Our time of distress becomes a thin place through which we can experience something of the divine, even if we experience it only in retrospect as we look back. Another thing that can help to lift that veil is love. Giving and receiving love can awaken a life that previously might seem to have been asleep. Real love is an awakening to parts of us that we did not know existed. And another thing that can awaken us to the need uh, for a thin place or that, that we are in the midst of a thin place is coming to the end of ourselves. When you're slumbering through life under your own steam, there's no need for any contact with God. But let a man come to the end of his rope. Let a woman experience a problem that doesn't seem to have a ready solution, and we begin searching for those thin places, those places between heaven and earth where we, we need God, we need to experience God. We grope in the dawning light for a handle on the one who is the source of all of our life. Serving people is also something that will help to lift that veil being interested in that which is beyond ourselves. One of our goals here at Front Street is creating intentional disciples. And an important part of that journey of being a disciple is serving others in the love of Christ outside the church, out in the community, where people need to know the love of Christ. If you can't think of the last time that you truly encountered Jesus in the face of another person, then maybe it's time to think about finding a way to engage in service to someone out in the community. The thin places are the spaces in which we encounter the holy in such a way that its power simultaneously forms us and bewilders us. We are formed by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us as God meets us where we are and moves us forward in that journey. And at the same time, an encounter with a thin place bewilders us as we find ourselves in the presence of Almighty 
God. His glory comes down upon us like a wave at the ocean. If you've ever been driven under by a wave at the ocean, you know as you're rolling along the sand on the bottom, you become completely aware that your very next life's breaths is at the the mercy of the force that has you surrounded. It's important that we experience this periodically because it keeps us humble. And our mind is refreshed with the knowledge that we are not our own source of life. Only when we find ourselves peering through the veil into the face of the holy, to the face of Christ, can we hear the voice calling to us from heaven. Calling to us once again, inviting us to listen to the one who came that our life, including all of our experiences, might be redeemed. As you and I embark on this journey as disciples, this journey that's ahead of us that we call Lent, I pray that you would be fully present. Look for the evidence that you are experiencing a thin place, that you are encountering the holy in the midst of the material. Search for understanding and open yourself to transformation by the Holy Spirit. And as you search, be reminded that the most profound revelation of God, who he is and what he thinks of you, was actually not found on the mountain, but in the cross. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.